podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast with me, Russell Guyver, with him, Peter Marsh. Hello, Peter. Hey, Russ. And with our special guest as we preview the West Ham match, it's a former West Ham legend. I, well, I call him a legend, definitely. 175-odd games, I think it was, for the, for the team. Uh, it's Mr John Moncur. Hello, John. Gentlemen, how are we going? Good? Not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> All the better for seeing you. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Yeah, I think it was 200-odd games, but I think that was uh, something like that. That was starts, I think. Yeah, oh, it might be that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a, yeah I, I, it went over sort of nine and nine years seasons, which uh, is a long time now in football, as you as you well know. Yeah, yeah, you played a number of years in the Prem. Uh, you were with uh, Tottenham when you at one point, and also I think you played Premier League football with Swindon. Is that right? In the early yeah, days? yeah, I probably looking back, I think I only made about twenty three or four appearances for Tottenham, and. Uh, Actually, it was a former Tottenham player that took me to Swindon, which was Glen Oddle. He was the manager there. And yeah. I had a couple of good seasons there, actually. We got in the Premiership and uh, it was uh, very unusual for a team like Swindon. But uh, it, yeah. it, was a great, it, it was a great time for the town. Having get, you, must, you, know. you must have been a big name for Swindon then, because, uh, you know, obviously being part of their history. If, if Little Birdie tells me that, Little Birdie being Wikipedia, <laughs> that you... Uh, yeah. You, you scored the first goal for Swindon in the Premier League, I think, for a free kick. Is that right? I think so in the premise in the Premiership. But it was funny enough; uh, it made me laugh. I think yesterday or day before, Orient played Swindon. I mean, boy, plays for Orient. Yeah, and he said, sure. Dad, there's loads of photos of you plastered up on the uh, round of players' lounge and stuff. <laughs> I said, well, they must be struggling, and they couldn't have had a lot of success <laughs> over the years if we're still up there. But no, it was it was a we're seen as sort of. Uh, a, a funny group that, you know, as you know, Swindon have never been at that level. So we're mm. seen as a little bit of heroes, if you like, to around the town and stuff. Mm. And uh, we do get invited back there on certain occasions. Yeah. And I know tonight included, you're uh, you're often invited back at West Ham because you're doing the, the hospitality, match day hospitality, aren't you there? And they've got a Euros game, a Europa Conference League game tonight. Um, you've Obviously, got a long association with West Ham. I think you played for them. It was a good part of a decade, wasn't it? I think in the top flight, if I'm not mistaken. I know you had a lot of injuries though, as well. Is that right? Is that why? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not too bad. I mean, I, I had a couple of seasons where I was probably out for maybe two to three months. But uh, yeah, I was there nine years and basically played all them seasons in the Premiership. Uh, funny enough, the last year where I retired, we got relegated. Uh, but that that was the only time that we got relegated. And actually, in fact, that year, I didn't really make many appearances. It was under Glenn Roder and there was a sort of a change going on. And it was unfortunate because really we had, looking back, we had a real good squad there. I think most of them played for their country. Is that so the one where you got like 40-odd points and went down with the most yeah. ever in a Premier League, wasn't it, or something? Yeah, ridiculous, to be fair. I mean, it's never been seen. And uh, just one of them unlucky years. Yeah. I mean, no one ever got relegated with that amount of points. Yeah, we stayed up but, with 36, 35 a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. yeah it's just it's down to, yeah, bad luck. And kind yeah, of, it's just the way yeah. it went. And that actual fact, it, it, it's sort of, the year before, we had a good season. I, I think we was more or less had the best home record. Uh or one of them, apart from Arsenal that, that season before. And in actual fact, we got beat by Arsenal. We was 1-0 up, and it seemed to just set a precedence. And we ended up, we had the worst home record the year after. Uh, 
culminating in us getting relegated. But it was unfortunate. I think our manager at the time, Glenn Road, we, he sort of had a, uh, an unfortunate, he had an aneurysm halfway through or nearing the end and it unsettled everyone. And I think Trevor Brooking came in at the last knockings. And an actual fact, we went on a good run, but we, we, we lost at Birmingham. We got relegated. I always remember last time I ever put a shirt on at Birmingham City of all places. So I don't uh, ever want to go back to that place. <laughs> <laughs> Tarnished by the memory, yeah, yeah. No, yeah that's that's it. It. Uh, speaking of Glenn's, I mean, Glenn Hoddle, what was he like to work with? That must have been interesting. A uh, legend of the game as a player. Um, I think a decent manager, obviously, shot, his, shot himself in the foot a bit with some comments when he was at England, but um, yeah. I mean, he was a good manager, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was brilliant. I mean, he was before his time a little bit. Uh, he'd just come back from Monaco as a player, and he was actually under Arsene Wenger then. So he, he, he sort of nicked a lot of Arsene Wenger's sort of techniques. Uh, and it was a big change for a team like Swindon because, you know, you can imagine we were sort of... I would say that none of us had played at premiership level, really. There was a few that wanted to. Mickey Azid was probably the only one that sort of was experienced enough. But Oddle changed the old philosophy and the way we played with a sweeper uh, and the way that... We had a five at the back, and at mm. times it was like six in midfield because he'd stepped forward. He was a, he was the, what he would call a libero, and he basically we clogged midfield, and we had a lot of good ball players in there. So really, I looked looked back, and the strength of our team was keeping the ball. I mean, we had Nicky Summerby who was on one wing, Paul Bowden, a good footballer on the other wing, which were our fullbacks, if you like. Uh, Martin Ling, me, Mickey Hazard. So you had a lot of ball players. Glenn would come in and just. His philosophy was keep the ball. And uh, if the opposition ain't got the ball, they're not going to score against you. So it was a, we got up on that, really. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating times. I imagine, yeah, I mean, Glenn was one of the first um, players I think I saw play at the Goldstone. Uh, top, I'm sort of like a 79 80 vintage. And um, yeah. he was top flight then. And uh, he, was, he was playing. And I think one, certainly one of the players I looked up to the most as, uh, you know, idols of the game in general, not obviously yeah. not Brighton players, but um, from the general pool of football players, I think he was, he was up there as one of the absolute greats and uh, superb. Um, and you, brilliant. Yeah. You, I was going to say you, you had a couple of other loans as well, didn't you, at Doncaster, Cambridge, and I think Brentford, interestingly, I want to a quick word on them. They've done brilliantly, haven't they, getting into the Prem and doing well so far? Yeah, I mean, when, you know, you go back when I went there, I don't even know what division they was in. Uh, but it was another ex-player that knew me as a kid, and he was Stevie Perryman. He was the manager then. Yeah. And when you went down and played for Brentford, I mean, you would never, ever, be like Swindon in a way, you'd never call them where they are now. And if yeah. you look at how a, how a club should be run and the old infrastructure of it all, Brentford have got it unbelievable. I mean, the way that they recruit and move players on and, where they are now and the football they're playing. I mean, a little bit similar to Brighton because I think Brighton's done fantastically well. Looking back, I mean, I never played a lot against Brighton because they was in the lower division then. So I think it's a blueprint for, you know, that top type of club, the way the Brentford run it. Yeah, I think there are, I'm just going to say there's a lot of similarities and uh, and what it leads to is you end up thrashing Man United 4-0, <laughs> which we've both done yeah, in the last couple of months. Yeah. That's right, exactly. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you played played against us at all. I'm, I'm guessing not, although with loans and things, it's possible, I suppose, somewhere or other. But um, 
Yeah, have you, do you ever remember playing against us? Uh, I think one one game. I don't know where where I was at. I don't know if it was Ipswich on loan, but I never played against uh, Brighton for West Ham or Swindon. Oh. So obviously all that. I mean Tottenham as well. I don't think Tottenham Brighton was never in the top flight when you know when I was around the Spurs era either. Based on the timings of your when you were saying you went down, I think we played you the second season when you went back up again. Um, I think we played right. you in those days. But yeah, I don't think we would have played you before. Yeah, because you said you just topped after you went down, didn't you? So that's um, right. Yeah, you, you would, I don't think we would have done because we were down in bottom division pretty much at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, was, I remember a teammate of mine going down to your place, Paul Kitson. I don't know if you, yeah, I don't know yeah. whether or not that was after. That would have been about 2002, three, I think he played for us. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was probably. I retired in two thousand and two, so. Uh, I mean, I remember he was quite, he, he, he liked the club and he was a good player, but Kitto was one of them that he sort of always got hampered by injuries a little bit. Yeah, that's but exactly what happened with us as well. And he was on quite yeah. a lot for us at the time as well, based on what we could afford. And he, and he, I mean, he got like a couple of quite key goals when he came back, but he was injured quite a lot of the season. It's a shame. Yeah. Well, he was one of the best front players I'd ever played with. I mean, actual, actual fact, he should have played a lot, you know, got closer to England. He was that good. He had, he had, he sort of had a lot of strength, pace, and he was a brilliant finisher. So it just mm. shows you some players, you know, they get a run of injuries and mm. it, it, it corrupts their career. Yeah, he was. you could see he was a good player, but as you said, we just didn't really get much out of it. There's that goal at Sheffield United, wasn't it, Peter? I think, was it he scored? Was it Sheffield United or somewhere? I can't remember. I, remember. One, I remember one getting one at home to Watford. I don't think he got one or two more, but not, yeah, I think it was in, in relatively few games was the problem. That was the issue. Injuries took yeah. over. Yeah, yeah, I mean, John, what I would have asked at this point is, if you had faced Brighton, who who was the players you found most difficult to play against? But I imagine the era we're talking about when you when you were playing, I don't think any of them would have been scary to play against. <laughs> I can't remember who played then. Yeah, uh, it, was, yeah. it was a time we were at Gillingham and 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 playing at the end of the Goldstone and all that sort of thing. So we'd have had pretty different players every week anyway. So That's we probably right. couldn't name them all either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I can't remember. Uh... You were a midfielder, John. I mean, who, who were the who were the best players you came up against in general? Uh, who do you remember the most challenging or violent or, or skillful, whatever? Well, I think <laughs> with, uh, looking back, I mean, obviously Petit and Vieira were were very challenging with Arsenal. I mean, I used to like that type of player to play against: Roy Keane, David Batty, because I like the competitiveness of it. So it wasn't. I didn't fear that, but players that really, I, I hated playing against Paul Scholes because he, he done it a few times. You'd mark him and you'd be sort of, nothing would be happening. And then he'd done it twice to me. He'd, he'd slip off round the back. He'd done it like 89th minute one, one game, scored the winner. And then I think one game at Old Trafford again, he'd pop up with a goal and you just, you look at yourself and you think they're the ones, because he could hurt you on the ball as well. He was that mm. good. You know, yeah. so, I mean, I even played against Brian Robson, believe it or not. I found him, he was he was such an all-round good player. Hmm. Uh, you didn't know really how to, to, to handle him. He could go whatever way you wanted, if it, if it was physical, if it was football, if it was trying to mark him in the box. He, he was probably the toughest opponent. I only played against him a few times. But, hmm. uh, yeah, he was a fantastic player. Hell of a player. Really majestic on the ball, wasn't he, when he was passing it about as well. It's, um, yeah. Some, some very good players. We don't get players like that. I mean, Gazza was the only other one where, obviously, I played against him at Everton and Middlesbrough, but he was an old teammate of mine. 
And I knew him backwards because for three years, uh, it was like sparring for me. Uh, Terry Venables used to have a, a, a match, the first team be the reserves, and no one, you know, fuck me, don't, don't let me have a bit of gather. It was like, I was the other <laughs> way. I used to think it's my learning. It's, it's like being a boxer sparring with the best. Yeah. So you get beat up and you get beat up. But over that two years, probably, I learned so much. So when I did leave Tottenham, I was fully equipped. And I, a lot of people said you should have left earlier. But perhaps without learning off a of gazer, I wouldn't have been the player that I was. Yeah, it's uh, exactly. You learn from the, the best you can, don't you, to improve yourself. And any funny stories from Gaza? There must be some. <laughs> it seems to be on a weekly basis, really. Well, with if the... you start, I mean, the man is just <laughs> unbelievable. But uh, one one that did stick out, we had this, he, for some reason, he had a, I don't know if I should even say this, he had a thing with animals, basically, and he, he loved joking about. Right. And there was this, uh, I wouldn't call it a swan, it was like a geese or a half and half, and it used to hiss at everyone in the training ground. So, basically, everyone was scared of it. It was worse than a dog. But it was in this in this sort of pond where they had this fence. So, one morning, he came in with these wire cutters. So, he got me and Paul Moran. And all the lads used to congregate in the, uh, what you'd call the treatment room. And it was a bit of a meeting place in the morning. But it was round away from Terry Venable's office. So, you go in there for a bit of banter. Anyway, for some reason, he got this goose and it, he wraps it in a, a towel. And we took it round to the uh, treatment room and he got one of them to open the door and he chapped this goose in. Well, you've never seen nothing like it. Bodies were flying out the window. It was like a war zone in there. And all the, all the lads were diving out of this place. And in the end, this goose just walked out, brave as you like, went back to the pond. And <laughs> every, everyone, everyone said, we've got to lock him up, not the goose. He was just, oh, he's rocker, Gaza. Yeah, that's treatment of a different kind, isn't it? That definitely. Oh, <laughs> yeah, an absolute madcap individual, but um, it must have been good fun to to work with him alongside him, as you said, learn from him as well. Uh, that's that's all yeah. good. Um, and in terms of your career, obviously you, you you're a midfielder. Um, you've, I think you had three red cards or something, didn't you, in your career? I think I think that's right. But I didn't really think of you as you were competitive, combative, you could say, but I didn't really have you down as a dirty player. Do you think they were harsh reds or were they justified at the time? Uh, probably justified. I think the, the, I never got sent off for anything bar a tackle. I think that was all sort of free incidents. With, I got a y- lot of yellow cards, but again, I think what it was there at West Ham, I think the, the crowd, they want someone that puts a lot of effort in. And I think that you, you know, it comes to a point, perhaps later on when you've lost a little bit of pace, I was never that quick, but you're trying your best to get there and win a challenge. And, and as you, as we know, the rules have changed, you know, to the old school. You, you was allowed to get away with a lot more. So the game was probably more physical then anyway. But uh, I wasn't, I wouldn't go into armour, you know, to be dirty or anything like that. But I think that particularly Upton Park, if you had a, you know, we used to say this, if you can get into them early and get some tackles in, the, the crowd warm to that. And it's all about getting the crowd on your side. And I think that, you know, a little bit like Mark Noble after me, he, he, he sort of carried that on. And, uh, you know, they warm to players, they say put 100% in, as you know, like, you know. But at the end of the day, it's a balance. And 
I was seen as a technical player that had two feet, but yeah. you, you can't let yourself down defensively either. You know what I mean? So I've tried to sort of be an all-round midfielder, if you like. I was going to ask actually what it's like playing almost like playing an Upton part, but obviously because I, I think the impression I got always got at West Ham was that yeah, they would get behind you as you say if you if they really kind of if you were in there early, but if things t- started to wane a little bit, maybe it wasn't quite. It could turn a little bit. Is that fair? Yeah. Or is that... That's fair to say, and uh, in actual fact, you're spot on there. I mean, they play a big part, and I think that's why we're dreading our bogey team Brighton Sunday because. It's one of those games, because we've lost two games, we're at the second bottom. Be interesting tonight, European game against a smaller European game, what the atmosphere would be like. But if I was the Brighton manager, you know, you'd be telling the lads, keep me tight, because the longer the game goes on and it's nil-nil, the crowd can turn over there. I don't, you know, that's, that's the way it is. So you, they'd want to use that to their advantage. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't got great memories of the last trip to West Upton Park. We lost 6-0. It was not a fun day. Right. Blimey. Yeah, and we were, and we were lucky to lose 6-0 as well. We were absolutely <laughs> dreadful. It was. I think West Ham could have probably got 10 if they wanted to. It was... well, it's strange, isn't it? Because at the moment, like us, we're saying, really, it's the last game we need Brighton because at the, at the moment, they're our bogey team. You know, yeah. I don't know what the stats are. Um, I think it's four wins and six draws, but it is all to make up for that six nil. It was such an awful afternoon. (laughs) We could do, we could do with another six nil to put us back on the mat on the right (laughs) road, but uh, I I can't really see that happening. (laughs) Yeah, I think unlikely on the six nil front, but it does feel as if we're saying off air just before. Ominously, it feels like these records can't go on for forever. Yeah. We've been together in the Premier League five years, so ten games. We're unbeaten in the ten games, uh, as Peter said. I think six of them are draws. Yeah, and I think um, it includes a couple, at least a couple of last minute equalisers or something yeah, as well. Exactly, right. including last season. These runs can't go on forever, can they, John? I think. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully, from our point of view, not. But I think uh, Brighton are in a good place. I think you know everyone knows that what a great job your manager's done, and. Obviously, the, the, it was late. A foundation was laid before him, but he took it up another level, I think. And you know, he's going to like everything now. The stats that go into football and that analysis and everything else, he's going to know exactly. Especially yeah. the position we're in, he's going to know exactly how to to sort of nullify us and, and as I say, try and get the, the, all the elements on his side. And I think without our problem at the moment, Antonio's had such a lot of what you'd call a heavy workload over the last few years. He's not really finding his form at the moment and he's been massive for us. So the new player we've got uh, from Italy who looks at a unit, he looks good. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't really, yeah, Scamacca, he hasn't really had a chance yet. But also we've had a lot of injuries in defence last year and this year. And even now, you know, we're a big miss for us is Dawson. Mm. Yeah, good player. What sort of team do you think you'll play tonight? Will it be quite strong? In which case, obviously, it would be a bit, of, a bit of an advantage potentially for Brighton or, or do you reckon it'll be a, a weaker team if it's the only qualifier for? I think he's got to look at the, the situation with a squad who needs a rest. I mean, I, I, I personally wouldn't play Antonio because, of his, as I say, he's been up there as our main man for, for two or three years and he's done brilliant. But, you know, obviously, there's always been an injury around the corner for him. So certain players that have basically had a lot of pre-season and, and, and had a lot of game time, you'd probably rest, give the squad players a chance. And I, I would, you know, I think we've 
we've been unlucky with one of our new signings. He, he's got a bad injury. Uh, so I think that Moyes would be looking at giving the players game time that haven't had, had it. So we've got a big enough squad now to, to sort of deal with that because we've done it last year with a European run. Yeah, they've obviously built, they've had time to build and they know that they're going to get into Europe again. Good season last year. So, yeah, and obviously you just you flesh out the squad accordingly. And I think they're doing well. They're a good side. Um, your thoughts on David Moyes in general, because he's been there a while now, hasn't he? He's yeah. had a good run in the team. Um, it seems to be the best I've seen West Ham for quite some time. I'm not obviously yeah. the beginning of the season aside, but in general, they're, they're looking as good as I've seen them for quite a long time. They look more organised mm-hmm. and they... They always look in games, essentially. Yeah. They never look out of a game. No, I think that's that he's done brilliant, mate. I mean, when he first came in and kept us up, I said, why on earth did we let him go? Mm. But uh, since he's come back, he's been fantastic for us. And what he's built, he, he's very... The old West Ham was, you know, great football, can beat anyone on their day. I'm going back generations, really. Uh but, you know, when Christmas comes round, they seem to go, you know, go on their festive holidays and stuff like that. It was all, I think what that was, we wasn't as good defensively as we are now. So what Moisey's built is we're always dangerous from set plays. We're good at defending set plays. And last year as well, we were fantastic. You know, if even if the football wasn't great, we would always have a chance because we would get, a corner, a free kick, and, you know, you look at probably five of our players, Suchek, Dawson, you had uh, Johnson, Antonio. We've got five or six players uh, that are always in the air. Rice is a great player. Rice. Mm. So, you you know, when you've got players like that, that you're always going to be dangerous in set plays, but... In, in, on the other hand, as well, we're a good counter-attacking team. I mm. think that's the other thing, what we never used to be. I mean, we've got a lot of pace on the counter-attack um, uh, with Antonio. And then you've you got you know, the likes of Lanzini and Ben Rama joining and, and, you know, Bowen, who's been a revelation since he's come here. So we've got a lot of good players on the counter-attack as well. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've been in the London Stadium a fair while now. Um you would have experienced Upton Park both as a player, I'm sure, and as a spectator at various points. Um, how does it compare with viewing experience for you? I mean, and how have, how have West Ham fans, your experience being in and around the ground, how are they warming to it now? Because obviously there's a lot of animus, animosity at first, wasn't there? Have they started yeah. to get used to it a bit more? Because obviously the success must help, mustn't it? Exactly. Regard. I mean, listen, it was toxic for a couple of seasons, to be fair, because everyone loved Upton Park. I mean, the history of Upton Park and stuff. And uh, there's still people and players, ex-players, that wish we were still there and done what Tottenham did. But for the club, it was a fantastic financial move. And now the team's winning and we had a great European run. The atmosphere has been brilliant. I mean, last year, uh, probably two of the European games, it was the best I've ever been, even down to the last day at Upton Park. So we've built an atmosphere there now. And like anything, with all the the money in football, you've got to move on. You know, We couldn't have survived at Upton Park, really, and, and carried on uh, because of the way football moves. So we had to move. But the, the, the ideal would have been to build a big stadium like Tottenham did yeah. at Upton Park. But 
it wouldn't have made sense financially. You know, the, the owners, I know they get a lot of stick, but, uh, they, you know, they, they're very clever people and it was a great deal. And, and now it is, as I say, it's, it's a great place to, to go and play. Yeah, I think I think it's the second biggest stadium, isn't it? In terms of, uh, they've gradually increased the allowed capacity, haven't they? Because they've, they've got more room. Yeah. And I, th- well, I'm I think sure we had sixty-two thousand there yeah. last day, which I think is slightly more than Spurs and Arsenal can get to, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, the crowds are that potentially there. It's to be one of the absolute mega clubs again. It's yeah. it's, it's it's right up there as a possibility. I suppose. Well, Facilities is the other thing, isn't it? Because Upton Park, as it was, it's not just the capacity being lower, but it was about all the corporate stuff. It must have been, I never went in those areas, but I imagine they must have been well out of date compared with what you're now enjoying on your match day hospitality uh, experiences. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you have to move on. Like, if the club wants to grow, you know, mm. you take take uh, the, the revenue that's created on a match day now compared to Upton Park. I mean, I don't know the figures, but, you know, it's got to at least be double, even if not more. Yeah. Uh, apparently, though, I did read in the paper that we're a bit dear over there. So, yeah, I've been hearing that. <laughs> yeah, an article, I don't know how much it is for a pint of lava, but... £7.50, uh, apparently. There you go. So, uh, there'll be a few moaning about that, I'm sure. Doesn't bother me because we, we use Peter and I normally, even if we're doing our separate things, we usually have an affair skinful before we get to the ground, so we don't really need any beer by the time we get there. <laughs> that's probably what the that's probably what the hardcore fans are doing now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a good places to go for a drink nearby. Actually, I won't publish it all on the air just in case. I want to make sure we can get our spaces. Um, but uh, it, it's a good it's a good away day. Actually, I quite enjoy yeah. it. There are criticisms of the stadium being unconventional and everything else, but in the end. Yeah. I enjoy it as an away day, not least because yeah. of the results, obviously. Yeah. Well, you look at it like, you know, we had the Olympics here and it's some, you know, even if you're not, well, saying it's not that you're not a football fan, but there's something there as well, apart from the football. I mean, if you go and have a day out, you've come from up north and you want to have a, a look round, there's so much there. And as you say, you've got Westfield just down down yeah. the road, so, you know, 10, 15 minute walk. So there's loads to do for fans, and especially away fans, it's a bit of an experience. Yeah, it's all good. As a, speaking of fans, as a fan growing up, because I think you were born in Stepney, weren't you? So, yeah. if that's right, and um, who, who did you support growing up? Out of interest, was that were you a West Ham fan? Well, yeah, I mean, my family both sides were from Bow, basically Mile End, Stepney, uh, both sides. So there was West Ham throughout my family, but because I was a young player at Tottenham, you was made to go and. Watched, that's what they did back in the day. So when you signed as a schoolboy at 14 years old, you was made to go to every game you had to. Oh, right. So you, I ended up watching Tottenham more than West Ham. But Must have gone down well with your West Ham family. <laughs> well, that's the problem. You know what I mean? You can't, you, that's, that's, that was the uh, sticking point. But when West Ham had uh, an own game in the week, I used to go with my mates on the train down to Upton Park. So... I'd watch, you know, obviously quite a few of the home games at Upton Park. But just unfortunately, I signed for Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it goes, isn't it? It's, it's quite often not the team you uh, supported, isn't it? But uh, that's the way it goes. But it's uh, it's a good club to uh, to be cheering on at the moment because they've been doing well recent times. Obviously, this season started badly. You had a couple of defeats. So you're, as well as the record of us having had the 10 games unbeaten and that's got to come to an end sometime, your losing run at the start of this season isn't going to last very long because they're too good a team for that. 
and yeah. it's important to get away from the dregs at the bottom, namely Man United. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, I've got to press you for a prediction if you do them. What, what do you reckon the score might be at the weekend? I think we're going to win 2 1. Yeah. I think, I think Brighton are a good team, but I think we're going to, we're going to nick it by the odd goal. I just think that you're right. It's, you know, we played Man City. Uh, if you look at us last year, we we was you know we should have got in the top five. We just faltered at the end, and I think it was the Europe matching up the, the workload of playing in Europe that done us. But uh, this year we've had Man City, which obviously no one's going to beat at the moment, and the Forest game. If you, I don't know if you watched it, but we could yeah. have won two two games. I mean, we were so unlucky. Yeah. You were. You know, yeah. we, we had two two chances underside of the bar, which you know. Didn't go in. Then we had a missed penalty. So really, like, there's nothing wrong. It's just the way it's fell and the way the league looks. But, you know, with, with that squad, you can't be a bad team overnight. And I think it's going to turn. And I do, do predict that we'll come maybe, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, around that. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think you will. You'll finish yeah. around there. Peter, do you go along with that? 2-1 to West Ham? I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, I think we are, we are overdue a defeat there. But then I thought that the last few times as well. Um, <laughs> or a 1-0. I think, yeah, I think we've, we probably, it, it'll be close either way. I think it'll either be 2-1 one way or the other or 1-0. And that's covering yeah. a lot of predictions, I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, bit, I don't yeah. know. I ain't watched Brighton an awful lot this season. But, I mean, who is your... You know your top players and the danger. We've already lost two of our top players, so both of them have been sold this summer. But probably Casado's the one of the interesting ones to watch. Who's who's taken over from Basuma midfield? He's really he's really started the season well. Um, Trossard probably our most our most creative player. Possibly Welbeck up front has done really well so far, but it's due a goal possibly as well. So he looks fit, which he for years he's not been fit really at different clubs, but he looks fit now. And he ran, he took, you know, United could not deal with him, but then that's because they're tender halves are small, whereas that's not really an issue so much for you guys. So, right, I'll go along with that. We've got good defenders, but in terms of yeah, the more proactive stuff, I'd I'd go along with what Peter said. Um, We've got uh, got this Japanese fellow Mitoma who's come in. Mm -hmm. Uh, We signed him, I think, uh, last season, either the summer or January, and he went out on loan to USG. The Belgium, well, they were the champions till they had that right. playoff thing. Um, and uh, he shone there. He came on as a sub on the 75th against Newcastle to make his debut, and he um, he, he looked pretty good. Um, so watch out for him. I think he'll play some kind of part. Yeah. Him, him and Lamptey will probably be off the bench, for, I thought, probably yeah. like they, they were last right. weekend. Where they, yeah. It's quite a useful kind of option. They're both very quick to come on against right. defenders. And yeah, we've also signed a new player this week as well, Kukare's replacement, but I'm not convinced he'll be involved. I don't know how early. Right. I'm not sure what he'll happens, be in. What happened with Malpai? I always liked him when I see him. He's off. He's heading to, well, to, uh, supposedly going to Nottingham Forest or Everson. Yeah, right. Five clubs interested. Um, he's dropped a third choice recently and then uh, as a result, and he doesn't really want to be that. And he's only got a year left. So we're, we're looking, allegedly looking to sell him. Oh God, yeah. So he's got a year left on his contract. So, yeah, so it's, it's fifteen million now, or three at the end of the se- end of the season. So it's a bit of a right. no-brainer when he's third choice now. He's a good Makes player. His, his link-up play is good. He's a good player, <laughs> and his finishing sometimes is good, particularly when it's instinctive. But he does yeah. miss a lot of chances, and I think yeah, the, goal, the goal at up at, um, yeah. the, uh, the Olympic Stadium last year, the stadium last year, was, yeah. was classic Mopé. It was brilliant because he didn't have any time to think about it. That's he right. Overhead kick. 
But for when, yeah. he, when he actually has time to go through on goal or one on one with the keeper, that sort of thing, he often won't do it because he just yeah has too much time to think about it. Yeah, got yeah. I mean that that makes sense because I, I did uh, like him at Brentford as well. And mm. you know when you see him sort of when he hasn't got time, he's a he's a great finisher. Mm. Lovely. Yeah, well, let's see how it goes. I'm going to go for a hopeful two-all draw, actually. I don't think we'll win it. That's I can't see us winning that one. Um, but I think we could possibly get a two-all draw as a cat invades the Peter screen. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, two, a two-all draw, would I'd be happy, very happy with that. A, because yeah. it's an entertaining game, probably, and B, because I, I do think you're overdue a win. I yeah. think it might... It might just go one more week. Let's hope so. From our I think the bet is both teams to score. I can't, I can't not see yeah. it being... Because at the moment, we're a little bit... We ain't as strong at, at the back as, yep. as we've been. I mean, obviously, as I said, we've got yeah. three of our top centre-halves out and uh, we, we're a little bit makeshift. I mean, sometimes Moyes does play with a five, but uh, I don't think he will. I think he'll stick with the back four that we played against Forest. We, we tend to play a, a three, and then what this season it's been kind of more inverted wing backs. So they play players who cut in on their other yeah. foot, and they're both attacking wingers as well. So they're not really actual right. what you call fullback slash wing backs. They're more wingers who are Got playing. That. So we 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 play quite an open brand of football as well. We went we were we pressed United very high up the pitch, um, right. and that caused them real problems from it. Even in the first within about the first ten seconds, we had a chance as a result of that, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, see, 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 it's funny how you, you how the game's going to pan out because a lot of times last season we played a, a, a counter attack uh, at home, so it, you know we don't mind letting teams have the ball basically, but as long as you're not going to break us down, we can then counter, which is against the way West Ham used to play at home. I mean, when yeah. I played, it was get you know closing down, try and win the ball, get the crowd up, you know, get into them. Whereas Moises has ad- adopted, it's all down to the players you got. But I do think our our way of counter-attacking suits the players we got. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Let's see how it goes. I'm sure you'll enjoy that along with tonight's match beforehand as well, John. Thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Uh, maybe have you back on again at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe near the uh, the return game when yeah. we'll be like fifth, sixth in the league. Yeah, we'll, we'll be battling for the Champions League <laughs> places together, won't we? That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, yeah. well thanks right. very much for joining us. And uh, nice we'll see, speak to you again. Cheers. All the best. Cheers, lads. So, yes, thank you to John Monker for joining us. That was really good to have a chat with him, wasn't it, Peter? Yeah, um, nice, yeah. nice guy. Yeah, and we wish him the worst of luck, obviously, at the weekend. But we, he's too nice to say that to his to his face, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. He, uh, interesting. I mean, uh, certainly David Moyes has uh, transformed things there. I think we've been quite fortunate to have had such a good record against them, as you said. Not only last minute winners, but the fact they're a good team to have a to yeah. be a bogey team for. Yeah, and we and we I think that we were benefited from them being quite tired in the last season. That second half, they looked yeah. like they. They were a bit spent force, but judging by the, uh, the way we took them on there. I mean, we played really well, but I think probably they just had so many games that they just didn't really have anything left in the, in the engine. Yeah. Um, bogey teams, speaking of them, I mean, Spurs has got a good one, haven't they, being Man City's bogey team. 
Uh, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> they did the yeah. double over them last year. Wouldn't mind doing that this season. Anyway, meantime, uh, Newcastle. Just to, I, I had obviously a review of Newcastle, but I haven't got your views on it. So just very quickly, um, what was your take on the game? You were there. It felt to me like it was going back in time a bit to a couple of seasons ago, in the sense that we, you know, we dominated the second half, especially first half. I thought we started really well, and then dropped off a little bit and they took over a bit for a while without really creating much. They didn't really test Sanchez. And then from there, it kind of, yeah, they kind of, we, we, we came back into it near the end of the half and had a couple of really good chances, including the one off the line by Trippier. And second half, we were all over them. We, we hammered them, really, in my view. Should have scored through Grosh. Should have probably scored through Lalana, although that was a good save from Pope. Lalana could have headed it right down rather than having it bounce up quite so high. Um, yeah. yeah, other chances, we were unlucky, but Burn, the one where it hit Burn and went across, but it was quite lucky oh, it ended up going to the defender on the line rather than anyone else. Yeah. You know, on another day, we could have won that two or three nil. Um, yeah. but you know, it is, we was, we, I thought we were really good though. And I thought, you know, for potential new signings, it looked like a game where if you showed them that game, you could, you could really kind of, you know, kind of encourage them to sign. And as you were saying earlier, Mitoma made a really encouraging debut. I thought he was, it was excellent. A lot of the focus, I think, came down the right at the times, are right, but with, with um, Lamptey, because no one really knew about Mitoma. But if he carries on like that, that's not going to be the case for much longer, because everyone's going to know about him pretty soon if he carries on playing like that. So you're saying 100 million Real Madrid next summer, yeah? <laughs> yeah they'll probably try bidding £22 or something like that, first of all, and, to, <laughs> and then complain that we're holding his value too high. Yeah, uh, jump, jump, jumping out, well, upstarts basically, you know, with your audacious attempts to try and get value for money. Yeah, yeah I do find it hilarious the way City and Chelsea fans say we're a bad team to deal with and you know, we're not going to get any players signing for us. I think we're a very good team still. But yeah, we, we tell you exactly what we want at the beginning yeah. and then it's quite simple, isn't it? Yeah. City are obviously bad losers in that situation. They they genuinely come a lot of their well, especially their fans on Twitter who probably weren't there, weren't a fan until like 2015 and supporting United before then or Liverpool. So yeah, just kind of don't have any sort of class. And yeah, I think probably the mainstream fans aren't as bad, but there was still quite a lot of them moaning, you know, who seemed to be like kind of regular, you know, who went there saying how you know how dare Brighton hold him to, hold him in that situation, and it's like. Yeah. yeah. And you offered 30 million. We got more than double that in the end, assuming we get some add ons. Well, exactly. So, you know. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's interesting that um, the three left backs are being um, sort of sought after by clubs at the moment have centred around the Kukurea issue. So Man City yeah. obviously looking for one. We've signed one. We'll get on to our signings in a minute. But, uh, but you know, um, and who's the other club that's. Um, Obviously, Chelsea signed Kukurea. signed Udogi, didn't they, as well? That's right. It'll be interesting to see how they do. I mean, no Kukurea is a good player. He'll, he'll play well. But seeing how the other ones do, it's going to be interesting. Mm. We'll get on to our signings in a minute. But just, just one other word on Newcastle. What I didn't mention, um, and I don't think was discussed when we were reviewing it on the previous podcast, was actually how well Pope played. It was a really good performance. I think the Lana's coming for quite a bit of criticism from some quarters for that header. But I actually thought that was a, a pretty decent header. It's... Yeah, it's I think the only thing is that he, he could have headed it further down, or not not as quickly down, sorry, so it bounced up at a good height for Pope. That's, that would yeah. be my only... It's not his speciality, though. It's not his main thing. And the other one was just a snapshot, and he could have gone anywhere. You know, it's just a kind of... He had to take it first time, so I don't blame him for that one. Hmm. But I don't blame him for the particularly for... It's just, an, you know, if it was maybe someone like Welbeck, they might have headed it, you know, for, into an area that was a, a bit harder for Pope. It did bounce up at quite a nice height, although it was still a good save. Yeah. Well, let's get and on to talk The key thing for me on Saturday is we didn't lose in the end. We didn't, you know, concede a silly goal. 
which yeah. would have then made it even more frustrating. We didn't even give them a chance, really. And if yeah. you're not, gonna, if you know, if it's one of those days where you're not going to score, make sure you don't lose. And we didn't. So, yeah, I mean, the the, um, the Manchester United game, we played well. The margin of victory should have been wider, uh, yeah. partly due to the ref, partly due to one or two other things. Um, but we played well and got the result. Newcastle are a better team at the moment than Man United are. Yeah. So we played well against that better team and deserved to win and probably should have scored and we, you know, et cetera. So we should be looking at two wins. We played well in both games. That's encouraging. West Ham have got injuries, as John was saying in the first part of the pod, um, which we might be able to exploit and they might not be able to sit in and counter us as well or as effectively with those um, absentees. Who knows? I'm still positive the way the season started. It's annoying not getting the six points because we could have said we were six ahead of Man United and um, further ahead of Palace and all the other stuff. But as long as we keep doing our thing, then that's yeah. fine. Yeah. And it was a good performance. We've seen enough so far with... So we're going to presumably go on to... We're talking about transfers now. Yeah. Notionally, hmm. at the weekend, we probably had our weakest squad we could have of the season, in a sense, unless we have a lot of injuries. But hopefully now we've got... Admittedly, Mope will be gone, but he wasn't in the squad at the weekend anyway. So hopefully now with with Pervis Estupinan or however you pronounce his name, Estupinan, um, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in and hopefully one or two more if we can get a striker, maybe one more player. I mean, we've got loads of money in the bank notionally on paper, and I know Tony Bloom probably wants to pull back some of the money he's spent over the years. Completely fun, no issue with that, but we can still afford to spend another twenty, thirty million hopefully, and still have a big profit this summer on transfers. Yeah. Quick question on starting with Purvis. I don't know what, what's going to be on the back of his name. I'm going to get. I bet you Purvis is on the back of the name. If it is, I mean, can we can we nickname him Blue Peter after the Blue Peter Great Peter Purvis? We could do it. No, Blue Peter suits us for the club. I don't know. Could be an interesting nickname that I'm sure everyone will not be warming to immediately. But anyway, never mind. But yeah, um, he he looks an interesting subject, doesn't he, to to bring into the equation. Uh, we we have the. We definitely did need at least a left back as backup, not because we're not happy with what we can do with wing backs at the moment, but if we want a flat back four, we do need to have a conventional yeah. left back and we don't have one. Colville can play there. Colville, sorry, can play there. Obviously, others can play there, but it wouldn't be a an out and out left back. Now we've got a special. I mean, technically, I could play there, but I wouldn't be any good. <laughs> I could physically yeah. actually play there. I might have to come on for you at half time and, and, and equally fail to shine in the second half. Um, but no, it's good having a specialist. That's all we definitely need. I think if we sell more pay, we really could do with another body. I don't think a more pay type, because I think Undav is the more pay type, but I think a different type of striker. Poss has been but, talking about Welbeck type, I think, if he, if he does. Yeah, which makes sense. It makes sense. A couple we're linked with in Spain, um, NS Unal and uh, Yusuf and Nisri, both fit that mould as well. And both are players I think we've been linked with before. Which obviously a stupid, a stupid new is is as well. You know, a lot of the time we do come back in for players who, uh, who you know, kind of who we've looked at in the past. We obviously did with uh, Darwin Nunes two times in a row, although didn't actually obviously get him. Mm. Yeah, he could have added a bit of uh, a bit of you know fight to our attack if he'd uh, been signed. And some damage to people's chins as well, probably. Yeah. Um, but, um, he... but, but I think on paper, stupid, yeah, stupid new or Purvis, I'd probably easily call him, looks a super signing. I mean, he. He played both legs for their Champions League semi-final at Liverpool last year and played in the time they tied say knocked out like Juventus, I think, and Bayern, Bayern yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that we've got him for 50 million is frankly crazy, I would say, given on paper, given that. It's another great Brighton signing, isn't it? It's great. It, it, this is carrying on, it looks like. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's down buying up Ecuador's national team. I think we're linked with another <laughs> one that's now, well now, um, a midfielder. 
Well, I'm, I'm definitely getting an Ecuador flag now. This is getting out of hand. So we've now got this three, isn't it, at the moment? I think I've got three, yeah. And then, uh, uh, no, yeah, there's possibility of a fourth from the US, from the MLS. He's playing there for like one of the teams in the MLS at the moment. And Ecuador are not the Ecuador of the past. They are a good team in general. This isn't sort of good players and a bad team. This is good yeah. players and a good team. They've qualified for the World Cup, as we know. There was a question mark uh, because of an ineligible player. Um, but um, it looks like that's been um allowed and um they are going to the world cup and they i i think they're dark horses to do well not to win it but i don't think but they'll they'll do well i think in the tournament potentially they've got a perfectly good song lined up for them you know the song from was it sash whatever in the 90s ecuador oh yeah <laughs> Look, ecuador that's i don't yeah it, it sounds like it's it's good for scanning songs doesn't it i'm, I'm going to be working on a few things well, apparently definitely runs with ballon d'or yes <laughs> so. as we know <laughs> yes You'd like something that isn't just door again, Ecuador, Ballon d'Or. Yeah, but anyway. He's guaranteed to score, surely, would be an obvious one. Yeah, but welcome to Purvis. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, he, hopefully, sure. I, I don't know, I doubt we'll see him this weekend, but those of you who go to Forest Green may well see him, possibly. Yeah, yeah um, I'm going along to he that. He may one. be on the bench this weekend. Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. You're not going to Forest Green then, please? No, I'm not, no. Been there before, of course, haven't we? we yeah, exactly. did not think we'd never go there um, otherwise. Uh, it was, was it, it was a Barnet Barnet, game, yeah. It was her first game in the league, I think, when Forest Green came up, I think. Yeah, because the league started a week before the album yeah. we went up. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'll be going back having a nose. There's quite a few. Good curry and Stroud. Yeah, that was nice, wasn't it? Nice curry, that. Um, anyway, digressions aside, um, so we've talked about Purvis. Um, other signings, well, other other transfers in and out. Um, there's quite a few rumours, as you mentioned. What what have we got at the moment? Well, the two striker ones I've seen are Nesri and Unal. There's also talk of Billy Gilmore in midfield, who obviously didn't do much at Norwich last year, but then you wonder whether you know a permanent move might be what he needs, and that would be permanent because we've obviously got Colville on loan already, and you can't have two from the yeah. same club. Um, there's rumours of this guy Kifuentes, I think his name is not Ecuadorian in the in the in the um, yeah in in the US MLS league, and there's someone else I think to remember as well midfield wise who's been talked about, but maybe complete bollocks. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, the, the, in terms of um, releases, oh, Sander Berg is another one who's been mentioned, but again, could well Sander be. Sander Berg, that's interesting. Yeah. He's been well I went in with him time. before, but mm. it's only been mentioned, I think, on North Stand Chat in the context of someone saying we've been warned off him. So. All right. Okay. Yeah. He started well for them this season, Sheffield United there. Uh, so it might be a tricky one to get. But anyway, um, I think, yeah, Sherpin's gone out on loan, hasn't he, to Vitessa Arnhem? Um, Simo had already gone out on loan. Apparently, we're hearing reports he's got an injury now again. And unfortunately, it sounds like Sarmiento, who is still with the Albion first team, uh, has also got some kind of injury. Yeah, well, uh, I don't think it sounded like it was too serious. I thought they said after the game it was not too bad. Yeah, hopefully not. Uh, not too bad. He started he, well against West Ham on his full debut, didn't he? And yeah. I was hoping he, he might... the, the worry is if he goes, uh, he's injured and Mope goes, then we're starting to lose, we're starting to have limited options on the bench, you know. Obviously, we've got nine subs anyway, so we don't have to use them all. But we're starting already to look a bit low on the bench. We're bringing in probably Kozlowski or who hasn't got any experience of English football or someone like that. And it's and you're starting and then after that, you're probably going to the youth team again, which is what we did quite a lot last season. Yeah. So it's yeah, we need to we needed one or two more options depth wise. I think with Mope going and Clark likely to go from the sound of it still. And yeah, so with Sherpin going to Vitesse Arnhem, I'm guessing at the moment we've got McGill. The young lad um, as a possible third choice. Um, obviously, we've still got Steele as it stands. Um, but yeah, I don't. 
I'm not sure. I don't really know much about McGill to know if he, he could step up into the second place. Steele's been kind of a, a mixture, really, hasn't he? He's been very good for the penalty shootout at Newport, I think it was, and in a couple of other games where he's filled in. Other times, people haven't been so sure of him in other performances. It, do it, we need him strengthening there, do you think? It was his cock-up, wasn't it, at Newport, that cost us anyway and made the penalty shootout happen. And then he went <laughs> and saved about four penalties. I mean, he's, I've only really seen him in the league game at Villa last year, and I thought he played really well, actually. I didn't. Yeah. I don't think he did. There's nothing you could do about any of the goals. He made a couple of quite good saves. And he claimed quite well off his line. I didn't see anything wrong there, particularly. I mean, I wonder if they want a, you know, an experienced goalkeeper just as a third choice in, if they can get someone, you know, like Liverpool did with Adrian or whatever from when he, went, when he left West Ham or something. Or even City have got with Carson, just someone to kind of, you know, kind of cover the, you know, the boundary. It probably almost certainly won't play, but just so you've got it in case, rather than having to worry about playing a, you know, a youngster in McGill. I mean, obviously, Sherpa's pretty highly rated, and at some point, Rushworth is as well. So, I mean, yes. he's, he's at Lincoln this year. The hope, I assume, will be that he does well at Lincoln and then moves to a championship team next year on loan. And then from there, it's whether he's ready to play. And if, yeah. that's, if that coincides maybe with Sanchez, you know, being sold or something. Or, But, yeah, it's, I mean, they, they are a little bit short, I'd say, given, you know, potential injury. I know it's a few less likely to be injuries probably for goalkeepers, but you never know. And if Sanchez had a, a long period out now, we'd be in a bit of trouble, I think. Yeah. Other departures may be pending, I'm sure. Um, we've, we've got a, quite a few out. We mentioned Simmers already out on loan. Kadra's gone out, hasn't he? Now, um, Clark might well do, we think. Um, who else has gone out? I think we've got, well, obviously, you mentioned Rushworth. And also, Hayden Roberts has gone out to yeah. Derby. Zakiri. Zakiri, yes, he went back out. Where did he go? I've forgotten where he's gone uh, to. Was it one of the Swiss teams, wasn't it? Was it Basel or someone like Basel, that? Basel, that was it, yeah. yeah. So he's an interesting one because I don't know how much longer he's got on his contract, maybe one more year but, or maybe two years, but he um, hasn't quite broken in after breaking in as a, as a, as a wing-back. Rather yeah, than the, a... Not, the non-COVID season, he had a few games you thought, well, maybe he'll, you know, he might be worth keeping around. I certainly, for example, last season, worth rather having him than Connolly, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, also Con- out on loan, obviously, as well. It's Conley to Venice. That's a Venezia. Amazing. Anyway, <laughs> um, we'll do a full summary of the transfer. We'll do a transfer special, I, I should imagine. In fact, um, we are probably we're doing one on deadline day, aren't we? We're having a deadline day. Or it's worth 31st of August. We could be the up. first to announce our new signings. We might be able to. Who knows? Yeah, six of them. Hopefully back, back in the... Back then then as they get loaned out as well. <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> Yes, uh, we, we can talk cover the five minutes that we had him in the club, and then he's like on loan to USG instead. <laughs> lots, we did lots of business. We signed three players and loaned them all out. So that's six bits of business. <laughs> yeah, it might be like that. We'll, we'll have to see. And we loaned out three more players as well. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, yeah. the big the big one is Mope, I suppose, at the moment, isn't it? It's uh, I mean, it hmm. seems to be. I mean, the fact he didn't play last weekend or feature last weekend at all suggests that it's quite likely he'll go. It's a matter of when and who too. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's pretty much it, I think, news-wise, isn't it? Unless you've got anything else. Yes, no. the, I mean, the, the, the interesting starts the season from other teams. So uh, both Barnish yeah. and Worthing have had a very good start to the season. Yeah, well, last time we spoke about Worthing, they they got a draw um, where they took the lead and were pegged back in the first game of the season, a one-all at home to Dover. Uh, they've gone on now to beat the Ws, Welling and Weymouth, to go on to seven points from nine, yeah. a third in the table. And Welling struggled last year, but Weymouth obviously just come down, so on paper should be quite a decent team, and that's a really yeah. good result. 3-0, wasn't it, that game? Yeah. And they're in the top two or three in the table. Apparently the bookies have put them down as third favourites for promotion, which is... Um, well, praise indeed, but also maybe a slight curiosity. I think um, even though they are perfectly capable of that from what we've seen so far, 
it seems a, it seems quite an ambitious. Yeah, um, looking forward to seeing them for the first time in the uh, National League South in a couple of weeks. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we're going to catch a game. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, they've got some good crowds down there already, apparently. Um, I'm hearing they've got Lewis White, I think his name is, who they signed from Carl Shorten, same division they're in last year, but apparently is a very good player and it's a bit of a coup to get him because I think there was a lot of interest in him. Um, so it looks like, although they've lost some key players, um, they've also got some good ones in. Dean Cox, by the way, has left. Yeah, he has, yeah. Obviously, Robinson has scored goals for every year at that level as well, so he's a on paper, an excellent signing. He's not as young, obviously, as he, he used yeah. to be. But well, he's, um, on paper, an excellent signing because he's, he's always scored goals at that sort of level. And with their man, Ollie, at the top of the um, attacking triangle, and then you've also got um, uh, Callum Keeley, who they've re-signed, who was on yeah. loan with them last season and then onto a short-term deal, I think, of some sort. He's, uh, he's now been signed again. So they've got a good attacking line. Good luck to them. They've started well, fingers crossed. It's weird seeing them actually on the graphics on Sky Sports News now, you know, where they show all the league tables on a roll and they go down as far as National League North yeah. and South. So it's cool seeing them on there now, which is great, especially when they're so high at the moment in the table. Yeah. Um, we're looking forward also to um, Hastings. I think I might have mentioned to you, I might have mentioned on air that um, I've got wind through my um, cousin's husband of um, some Hastings fans who three fellas I think they're all guys all in their 80s who are ardent Hastings fans who we need to hook up with and, and get some views on there and some some knowledge of the history of that club when we get down there at some point I'm quite looking forward to that one too actually I have to say yeah but um, anyway that yeah that pretty much rounds it up for now we'll be back with them um, as I said with our next episode which will be Either well, there'll probably be a match day special actually for the West Ham game. I'm I'm almost certain, and we might have a further review or preview coming up in the week after. But that settles it for this one, Peter. So, stand or fall, up the Albion. In fact, just as an epilogue, there was a couple of bits of Albion news which I did forget to mention. First of all, the former under 21s and first team manager Martin Hinchelwood, who's left the club. Well, sacked on a couple of occasions in the past, is now back with us. He's in a scouting role for the academy. So welcome back to Martin. And also congratulations to former youth um, coach for the Albion, Simon Rusk. He went out and made his way with a couple of senior roles, um, which didn't work out as well as he would have liked. He has now been appointed the new England under-19s coach. So we wish him the very best of luck as well with his new role. England's Age groups have been doing well in recent years. Can he continue the tradition? Let's hope so for him. Anyway, that's it again from us. Until the next episode, stand or fall, up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.